Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Property Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Oh, yeah, boys. Mmm. Martial arts. Wait. You threw me off. You were way too late on that, Casey. Whoa, that was, I, 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 I was so... I, I was so... I've been so excited. I got, like, past excited. Where now I'm just, yeah. like... I had, like, an endor- endorphin dub. So, um... Yeah. Yeah. Casey, we were growing up. So it starts now. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We yeah. were yeah. growing up. Sorry, threw me off. Everyone threw me off. We were, we were talking other stuff. Guys, focus. We didn't get to do a weigh-in show. We didn't get to do a weigh-in show. Yes. I mean, hopefully Casey's throat clearing got you fired up because the UFC is back at Abu Dhabi. And man, they are delivering a banger of a fight car, which goes down tomorrow. In fact, for those watching live at this time tomorrow, right now, tomorrow, we're going to be smack dab in the middle of the prelims, which will then lead to an incredible main card and the storyline filled main event to crown a new lightweight champion of the world. As we welcome you to MMA Fighting's live UFC 280 preview show, I am Mike Heck. So much to talk about, and I'm excited to bounce off of these two gentlemen joining us right now. We have the two minds, the two workhorses, the co-hosts of the MMA Fighting ranking show. But if I ran down their resumes and skill sets, we'd be here for a month. So I am joined first by Shaheen Al-Shadi. Very happy to have my bald brethren, my dad in crime, and Alexander K. Lee, the prince of positivity because gentlemen we are on the eve of ufc 280 less than 24 hours from right now casey you are not sean we will see you later <laughs> casey's just is. too excited oh, casey's just amazing. too excited right now yes UFC sean, 280, baby. <laughs> now that you're back uh, i want to begin with you because with every pay-per-view there is something to be excited about, right? At least one thing, maybe two. The UFC's most recent pay-per-view card was filled with absolute chaos and insanity the day before with the whole Hamzat Shemaev situation. So that was a, a unique feeling heading into a fight card. But in terms of excitement, in terms of how you feel about this card, in terms of the build to this thing, this one just feels different than most, if not 
all other pay-per-view cards this year. Is that fair to say? Do you feel differently the day before this card than you felt outside of 279 of any card this year thus far? Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, this is the card of the year, right? Like if we're just being upfront with it right away, this is the best card we've had all year in 2022. This might be the best card we get for quite some time. I know some of the ones at the end of the year are looking pretty tasty already, but like this is this is money, Mike Heck. Like this, like if you don't like this, if you're not excited about this, you're just not a fan of mixed martial arts up and down this card. Tremendous matchmaking, storylines galore, fights that have, you know, big implications, fights that really matter. And then you look at the last six fights of the card chef's kiss you cannot make a better six fight run than we end on saturday morning i was gonna say saturday night but it's morning too and that too mike heck we have a morning card (laughs) i love these morning cards i know you do too all of us do out here uh so i'm just so excited to wake up get a little coffee get a little caffeine in me get some breakfast and just have violence on like high high class violence this is tremendous man everything from this main event on downward it, it can't wait AK, what's what's the best word to describe how you feel the day before this stacked UFC 280 card? And we can also bust. I think this is a good time to bust out the gymnastics score, shall we? And out of ten. And out of ten. What else needs to be said? This card, it's the degree of difficulty is super high. If everything goes right, this could be like the best card of the year, one of the most memorable cards ever. I feel. Um, regardless of who you're rooting for, whether you're rooting for Oliveira, Islam, Aljamain, TJ, Piotr Jan, Sean O'Malley, whoever, there could be so many compelling uh, – like the action itself be compelling. The storylines coming out of the card I think are going to be fascinating. We're going to ha- very likely have uh, you know our next title contender in two divisions. Um, possibly three if the if the if Benil Darius ever has any luck or if Matush Gamrat beats him. Um there's there's just it's gonna be such an enjoyable show. So I'm not I'm not mincing words here. I'm not getting technical, I'm not nitpicking. If everything goes right, everything doesn't even need to go right. If like if this is like lives up to a, a fraction of its potential, this is gonna be like a nine point six, like nine point seven out of ten. It's just such a cool card. Um and even if things go wrong early. I could just see the drama of the main card and the top two fights, top three fights, just carrying the whole thing. It's so good. It's so good. I'm so happy. Uh, I'm just I, – I, it, it is not hard to be positive about a card like this. It's fantastic. 10 out of 10 potential. It's actually like – Sean, it's, it's, yeah, go ahead. It, just real quick because like we've been sitting on this for a while. Like this card was basically its fully formed version in in this middle of the summer, right? Like I remember July, I think it was the the Gamrot fight was made and we just looked up and down at this main card in exactly this form and just be like, oh my God, like this is this is tremendous. This is great. There's no way in hell this lasts October. Like this is so far away from when the date it was initially booked. But we did it. it we made it. Like the MMA gods gave us gave us one, man. I, I don't I hope I'm not jinxing it right now, but oh my God. Uh, the fact that we lasted this long with this all sort of sitting here and pending and now we finally are here, it's tremendous. Yeah, and the MMA gods took a couple fights away from us, but luckily, at least to this point, nothing with major significance in terms of storyline. So, And that's where I want to begin the main event, Sean, because we have, like you said, we have known about this fight between Charles Oliveira and Islam Makachev for months now. We knew that a new lightweight champion will be crowned in Abu Dhabi on this card. Charles Oliveira looks to go back-to-back on the list of most recent 155-pound title holders. He answered one big question this morning by making the weight 154.5, takes on Islam Makachev. This one is official. 
And there's just so many storylines here, Sean, whether it's about the matchup stylistically or the win streaks of both these guys or the legacy of Charles Oliveira, whether or not Islam Makachev even deserved this fight, if he could silence those critics about getting this opportunity because he doesn't have that big marquee win, which again, is not really his fault, and just everything that has been built to this point. But that's just a few of the storylines. But what storyline to you, Sean, is the most intriguing about this fight in your eyes? Because oftentimes you like to take us down a different road that that makes us think outside of the box. First, can I appeal to to AK over there, Mr. Wayans, the weigh-in expert? I'm not sure how weigh-ins work. Is it, now that Charles came in half a pound under, can we combine this and the previous weigh-in and, and all together just sort of average it out and like you know retroactively give him the belt back, like? Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, he is. Listen, he is. He's been saying the whole time he's the champion. Yeah, that, that is how these things should work. In total, he only weighed 310, 200 and 310 pounds for two lightweight title Great fights. Math. Yeah, it took me a second for two lightweight title fights. Uh, he So, yes, it, retroactively, he never lost a title on the scale. We need to stop writing that. We need to stop writing that this is for a vacant title. It is It is now, in my mind, officially a defense uh that's how i'm gonna view it anyway if he wins the fight if he loses i don't know might, might have to talk about it a different way but yeah this this half a pound yeah, under, yeah. fantastic and credit to islam as well also half a pound under the czar of way and says so so there it is we've just brought this into existence mike heck uh this this fight card uh, you ask about the the storylines right the storyline that i have my eye on normally i mean there would be a, a lot to pick from and just i mean there is a lot to pick from i say normally we could pick through you know sift through and try to find underrated gem but it's obvious right it's the main event the main event is the biggest storyline of all uh, of all this massive card in my eyes it's just tremendous up and down the, the what's at stake here the is for both guys the, the sort of Islam Makachev has been this guy who has been sort of destined to be in this spot it feels like for a long time ever since he came into the UFC we were hearing about father's plan Habib's plan to sort of cede the title to him and, and, and you know continue this reign of Dagestani wrestling Charles Oliveira in the meantime has become one of the most just frankly outrageous champions that we've ever had he's probably pound for pound up there on the most exciting ufc champions we have ever had uh he he is putting together a lightweight run that is relatively unprecedented just between him and islam both right the two winning streaks that these two gentlemen are on the longest winning streaks in the history of this division and this division has had a lot of very talented fighters in it for you know basically the, its existence so the fact that we have reached this point with these two colliding win streaks and again the, the legacy stakes for charles because his res resume is really starting to build into something utterly unique and impressive on in its own right i know i don't want to even just invoke the name habib already this early into the show but but there are stakes out there for charles and for what this could mean for charles which is why the way in situation last time is unfortunate because he would be approaching basically the all-time title defense the tie in the all-time title defense record for this division just up and down the card if you were to if you were to make in a lab a fighter who could beat charles Oliveira, you would probably make someone like islam makachev and if you were to make in a lab a fighter who could do very very well against islam makachev you would probably make a fighter like charles Oliveira. so altogether, the way this, this is sort of colliding at once uh just it's amazing i, I can't wait for it AK, you were on BTL yesterday. We talked a lot about Oliveira's legacy, and I let you rant about Habib. I gave you the floor, uh -huh. and you and you did exactly that for lots of minutes. But what we didn't really talk about, we sort of glazed over what this fight means for Islam Makachev. He is very, very confident. His team is very, very confident. Habib, very, very confident. 
that he's going to go in there tomorrow and just truck Charles Oliveira. This fight keeps that win streak alive. He becomes the champion. He becomes the best light in the weight in the world officially. But how important is it for Islam Makachev to win this fight with just everything involved here? The confidence, people doubting his resume, some of the headlines, fair, unfair. How massive is this fight for the future of Islam Makachev? It's it's huge, especially when you're when you're the chosen one, when you're, you know, Habib's dad's, you know, favorite pupil or or what have you. Like and and the other thing is if he beats Charles, I, I would think we can agree that's bigger than any win Habib had, right? I mean, as far as quality of opponent, because Habib's last few wins, Gaethje Poirier, amazing. Um, but again, Charles beat those guys too. Conor McGregor, huge win. I mean, name wise, uh, magnitude wise, for sure. That's you know, this won't topple that. But I think we can agree Charles is a much better fighter than than Conor McGregor, at least at this stage of their careers. So, and and, and even back in 2018, I'd probably pick Charles to beat Conor McGregor. So that's huge. That's huge for Islam. Um, it, there's we, we talked about how much pressure there is on Charles, but I think as we've gotten closer to fight night, people are starting to realize that there is just as much, if not more, pressure on Islam. He's also kind of the hometown guy. Um, you know, now he's not he's not from Abu Dhabi, but there's this huge fan base that supports him and Habib and that whole team. Uh, so he he's going to have the, the energy of the crowd behind him. He, I don't think he's ever been in a situation like this. And I'm not saying that's going to affect his performance, but it just is notable like as far as how big this moment is for him. I don't know if he if he beats Charles and then becomes like as big as Habib did. Um, you know, after Habib beat uh, McGregor, he was like a legitimate draw in his own in his own sense. Um, I, I don't know if Islam reaches that yet, but he certainly gets there on the way. Um, if he puts on like a really commanding performance over uh, over Charles, either by finishing him or like a 50-45, 49-46, like really convincing decision win. I think that would that would uh, do him well. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's just a great fight. And, and I just want to say a couple of things. First of all, uh, we, we mentioned earlier like that that we didn't, you know, we lost whatever, a couple of weird fights to keep this card alive. We should also say, I think the MMA gods may have put some of the uh, some of the heat on Jose Youngs. Jose Youngs, who has been on site all week doing amazing work. Check out his interview with Dana White, by the way, that uh, that went up this this morning. Uh, he has gone through hell. He's mentioned some of it on social media, but there's a whole – you guys don't know what Jose has been through to bring you guys footage and video and all this coverage. So th- he may have taken some of the pain so that this car could stay together. Uh, and the other thing I want to say is just back going back to the title fight, we have had some – great title fights this year and this might be the best one i was looking back and i'm like we got some really great matchups that we want to see and that use most of them turned out pretty good um and ganu gone uh yuri and Tashera, maybe the most fun light heavyweight title fight i'd ever seen uh, i was glad that we got the uh, edison whitaker rematch i know it wasn't the most exciting fight but it's a fight we wanted um edwards woodley uh edwards, woodley, edwards and usman in retrospect you know maybe not the most highly anticipated fight but now forever notable for the one of the greatest finishes ever uh what else did we see this year um uh charles and justin gaethje it was a title fight even though charles couldn't win it that was super exciting volkanovsky holloway that got resolved we just had so many with the exception of esparza and uh the namajunas uh, rematch we've been very lucky with title fights and this might be the what a way to cap things off uh i know we have another event coming up in uh uh, we have more events coming this year, but this to me is the is the peak. This is the peak of the year for me, and uh, I expect it to deliver fully. Just just awesome stuff. Yes, of course. Don't want to leave out Davis and Figueredo and Brandon Moreno, and then Brandon Moreno, Kai yep. France, the interim title fight. I mean, so many good title fights. But to kind of bounce off that question I asked AK, Sean, 
who needs this one more? I mean, it's a title fight. It's a main event. It's must win. I'm not a moron, but with the weight miss and being stripped of the title, being the underdog, having that chip on his shoulder, is it Charles Oliveira that needs this more? Or is it Makachev for the reasons I just brought up to AK? Who needs it more is an interesting way to phrase it coming into something like this, right? Because obviously both guys feel like they need it more. Both guys would like this to be a part of their legacy. Both guys would like the financial rewards that come with becoming champion and continuing on as champion if you're Charles Oliveira. So who needs it more is, again, an interesting way to phrase it. But just if you're looking from an outsider's perspective, it does feel – just from my view, that Islam Makachev would would need this more. Charles Oliveira is already Charles Oliveira. If he never fights again, if he never wins again, he is already a UFC lightweight champion who is the all-time submission leader in the history of the sport, right? And he he has his trophy case. He has his flowers to a certain degree. We will consider him an all-time great regardless of what he does from here on out. Uh, he's already built that resume. And, already, and again, the, the run he's been on this past, you know, 10 11 fights in, in particular the back half of that where these last four or five one of the best runs we've ever seen in the history is 155 town division so charles Oliveira is charles Oliveira regardless islam makachev is the guy who has been forever impending islam makachev has been sort of been in this spot where he is this next guy who we're we're supposed to see as this next great lightweight but he has not had the fights nor the opportunities to really prove that he is that person he has been him for years and years and years right his whole entire ufc existence has sort of been habib leading him by the hand towards this sort of promised land that we are now reaching here on saturday islam makachev absolutely needs it more in that respect then because i think if he does go out there and he loses to charles Oliveira, the blowback on that because we have been getting for so long uh, told how good this guy is. The blowback, when if he were to lose, I think would be pretty tremendous just in terms of people saying, ah, we knew what he wasn't that good anyway. He only beat Bobby Green. And you know sort of the dissection of the legacy and the resume that will come after something like that. That being said, too, I, I think one point that I haven't really seen spoken about a lot this week that AK was just sort of alluding to, which is this is this is by far obviously the biggest spot that Islam Makachev has been in in his career. And I remember traveling out to Abu Dhabi for when Habib fought Dustin Poirier. And that was sort of the first big showcase for Habib in that region of the world. And obviously Habib is incredibly uh, popular and successful and just very – like his notoriety in that part of the world is extremely high in the Muslim world. And he was treated – like an absolute rock star in Abu Dhabi when I was out there. And I would imagine just you know watching sort of throughout this week, seeing at the press conference, open workouts, we've seen it. Islam Makachev is receiving that same treatment to a certain degree. Maybe not as much, but he has certainly been uh, the favorite in the hearts and the minds of the people out there in Abu Dhabi. We've seen Charles getting booed. That is a tremendous amount of pressure that is on that man right now. Because I remember, again, being out there for Habib for the, before that Dustin Point fight the the amount of pressure was palpable like you could you could sense it in the air anytime that man was in the room like there was a lot on his shoulders sort of carrying this region of the world and sort of everybody's hopes and dreams on it um and now that has shifted to islam and that that's heavy man like that is a very heavy thing to feel especially if you have never felt it before i would imagine if you're islam makachev sort of entering this environment where all of a sudden you're being treated like a rock star and this superstar so again there are a lot of factors just stylistically with with you know the the matchups itself that are compelling to me there are a lot of factors just in terms of legacy and stakes that are compelling as well but even just the little stuff like that of just this is new this is brand new for islam and it is brand new in a way that is very very big i would imagine around him uh all of it it's just so compelling and here's here's another thing because we mentioned habib and i'm not going to go down that road 
of a Habib comeback or anything like that. Even though when Dana talked to Jose Youngs, he mentioned that I'd love to make that happen someday. Look, I love you, AK. It's not going to happen. Go down that road, Mike. Come down the road with me. And here's it's well paved. But here's I paved it. But here's but here's why I don't want to travel this road with you because Habib's legacy with everything Islam Makachev does only grows. It grows exponentially. And what's interesting about this whole situation is that a month from right now, Habib Nurmagomedov could be coaching the lightweight champions and not just the UFC, but Bellator as well, because Usman Nurmagomedov is fighting Patricky Pitbull. All this does is help this man's legacy, does it not, AK? Like, what is the sense of oh. him coming back at this point? No, it, you're like, right. I just, you're, you're, yeah, so my I, best friend, everything Makachev, yes. My best Go. friend, you're 100% right. As long as they continue winning, he has no reason to come back. It's a shame that that his boy is about to get <laughs> choked unconscious on Saturday, and it's going to ruin that whole plan. You are you're, you're ex- we're actually saying the same thing. You're right. His le- his legacy is so well taken care of with with Usman uh, Nurmagomedov, with Islam, you know, potentially becoming the champion on Saturday. But if that doesn't happen, that's a blow to his legacy, then, isn't it? Then 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 suddenly it's it's again Charles saying or people, not that not me certainly, but I mean I might be hinting at it. Maybe suggesting that he beat Habib by proxy if he takes out Islam, especially if he does it in impressive fashion. I said I talked about Islam like dominating. What if Charles Oliveira does classic Oliveira? Maybe like gets hurt in the first round or drops the first round, then wins by submission or TKO in round two, round three. And again, the call out, Habib's there, the call out, you know. So I, I think all the pieces are there. Again, you're you are you're super super right. As long as his guys are succeeding, why would Habib come back? I think he enjoys coaching. He's again, we've said this all the time, has made no despite constantly being asked and, and still being like a public presence, the last thing he ever does is say like, yes, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back and fight. He, he doesn't want to do it. But again, that's as long as everything's cruising and as long as the plan is, 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 is going as, as, it, as it's supposed to. Once Charles Oliveira throws a wrench in that plan, then it's chaos. Then I think Khabib's got to rethink a lot of things. All right. I, I've, I, I've been sucked into this, so I'm just going to ask you one kind of question. <laughs> Is Islam Makachev in Leon Edwards' territory right now? And what I mean by that is, if Leon Edwards lost to Kamara Usman, that's it. He wasn't getting another title shot. Are you saying right now that if Oliveira goes out there and finishes Islam Makachev, are you telling the world right now that this road back to a title shot for Islam is a forever road? Is that what you're saying? Oh, no, no, not at all. If anything, after... So why would he come back then if it's not a forever road? Oh, no, 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 hold on. After Charles chokes out Islam and then Habib comes back next year and then Charles beats him, <laughs> then while Islam's you know, getting a couple of wins back, then Islam has been built back up. And he's like, you know what? You beat me. You beat my master. But I'm getting my second shot at you. Now I'm avenging the whole thing. I'm avenging the, the whole clan here. And then Islam's story perhaps ends with him beating Charles Oliveira. But I, this is a long thing again. Uh, I, so, no, he, he, I don't think he has that long of a road back at all, especially depending how the fight goes. <laughs> I got to tell you, AK, I've been so against this, this argument. But when you presented <laughs> that on. last point, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm at least intrigued by it. I'm, I'm getting closer to sitting back on the fence. I still don't think it happens. But if it happens exactly the way that you paint that out, paint that picture, you got to put that picture in the Louvre, man, because that's incredible. Uh, the current betting line right now is Islam Makachev, minus 190 favorite, come back on Bronx. Plus 160 currently. AK, is this line correctly in your opinion? Are you stunned by this at all? Say the line, sorry, Mike, say the line again. Minus 190 for Makachev, plus 160 for Oliveira. Yeah, like a lot of people, I thought, uh, I thought you said a minus 190 for Islam? 
Islam's the favorite, minus 190. Hmm. You know, it, it doesn't surprise me that much. It doesn't surprise me. I, I was going to say, I thought I heard you wrong. I thought you said that Islam closes the, or I, I guess not closed yet, but um, had become the underdog. Man, there's just a lot of people who see Charles as a, a vulnerable champion, a fun champion, a great champion for sure. But the fact that he gets hurt in all of his fights. Um, now, I, I don't know if Islam's going to come out the same way, but Shaheen said earlier, like if you're going to design someone who can sort of foil what Charles does, because look, look, he's great on the ground. He's great off his back. But man, we've seen how wrestling, how consistent, solid wrestling, powerful top control can snuff out even the best jujitsu artists. And I mean, and Islam has that. Um, he's not quite the level of athlete as his as his boy Khabib, but I still think he's a plus athlete. I still think he's very good down there. So he's going to go a hard. If it's going to be a fast paced fight, he can certainly keep up with Oliveira. If it's going to be slower, more methodical, uh, he can win a fight that way too. So this is what's kind of what's going through the head, I imagine, of most betters, and and why uh, I don't know if the line has moved at all, but why it's if he's why he is now the favorite, or if he's been the favorite this whole time. Um, people see him as as ascendant again, as the spiritual successor to Habib. And if it wasn't for that one loss to um, Adriano Martins, you know, way, way, like a lifetime ago, he'd probably be an even bigger favorite. He, if he had this glitzy, like 23 and 0 record, he'd probably be like minus 250. You know, people would just see him as, see him as the uncrowned champ, not, uh, not Charles Oliveira. So, um, yeah, the line does not surprise me at all. Of course, you guys know, we'll make our predictions, but I'm team Charles all the way. Um, but it does not surprise me that people are doubting him. Um, I think there's a lot of Jed Mishu listeners out there. I think that, that might have something to do with it as well. <laughs> Uh, we, we will get to picks. We have a lot to talk about here, but John, we talked about this on BTL yesterday. So I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. What's your biggest stylistic question about this fight? <sighs> biggest stylistic question. I mean, biggest stylistic question is just what happens when, when these two styles meet in the middle, because it, it, the, the fact what Charles Oliveira ultimately has become over these last few fights and really these, I, the 10 fight streak, 11 fight streak is very impressive, but just the last four or five in particular, this man has weaponized his reputation in a way that is really interesting, and I, I, I can't find many parallels to it uh, just throughout looking throughout MMA history, right? I was with on with the No Bets Barred boys earlier this week, and we were talking about this as well. And the closest comparison we could find was, was Fabricio Verdum in the way of just weaponizing his skill set but also his reputation in, in a way that he has almost changed the math when it comes to MMA, right? Because lately, in particular, for this title run, when we see Charles Oliveira get hurt, he flops, even, like even remotely hurt, like stunned or whatever, he will flop back to his back, and then there is a, a choice that the opponent has to make, right? Am I going to jump in to the guard of the man who has the most submissions in UFC history, the man who is, uh, you know, this, this brilliant grappling wizard, or am I going to let him recover, give him time, and stand him back up? Against Justin Gaethje and others as well, it's it's just been this sort of thing. Okay, I don't want to jump down on the ground with him. I'm going to let him back up, and that gives Charles time to recover. That gives him time to reset. It's it's again just changing the math a little bit more in his favor every single time he does it. And it's a funny thing because like we have seen Charles be wrestled, right? Like we have seen Charles be controlled uh, from the top. Paul Felder almost blasted his head off with elbows. That was the last time this man has really seen defeat or, or any sort of setback. We have seen fighters use the approach that Islam will likely use against Charles to great effect. It just not it, it isn't recent because people have been scared to jump down on the ground with him, and so that to me is what the, is the most interesting part of all of this because we know Islam is not going to be scared to jump to the ground and stay on top of Charles Oliveira. He's very much going to be wanting to do that. So if Charles is going to come into here with that same strategy of using sort of the flopping down and letting and inviting guys into his guard. 
I think Islam's going to probably welcome that. So what plays out from there, the, the sequence, the grappling sequences, the exchanges, whether Charles can catch something off his back, just all of it. I know we've throughout the week, there have been people comparing this to sort of like a diet version of Habib versus Tony for that reason, right? Same type of grappling attack for Islam. And then the chaos factor that Charles has that Tony very much uh, embodied as well. That comparison to me seems apt, even if it makes me feel a little sad, because obviously <laughs> we should have had that fight 40 times over and that's we're not, we don't need to go into it. But I do like that comparison to that degree of just this Dagestani wrestling versus absolute pure grappling chaos. Like, what can you do uh, in those scrambles? How can you circumvent a lot of the attacks that Islam and, and Habib similarly used? Uh, so for me, that that is the most interesting part of all of this, is, is Charles Oliveira, again, has weaponized his reputation in a way that very, very few fighters ever have. And Islam is not the type of guy to sort of play into that, I would imagine, in particular in this type of stylistic matchup. So what's going to happen when those two meet on the ground? Because it's going to happen at some point, and it's probably going to happen within the first round, and we'll see right away. Yeah, and plus Oliveira punches like a truck, so it'll be interesting to see who actually puts together that first sequence. But we'll go to picks, AK. I think we already know yours since you've just painted this incredible picture. How does Oliveira win, AK? I can't hear you. I can't wait to, like, to okay. actually hear this. I want to thank uh, everyone who voted in the poll. I might I might start a new poll soon, but this is I, this is the same poll I ran during the weigh-in show. Just what you know, which are the top, which fight are you most excited about? Top three fights or other? And pretty consistent results: eighty percent for the main event. Again, I don't think this says anything poorly about the co-main, which we'll talk about, or Jan versus O'Malley. Just kind of how, like I said, how perfect and how well timed this main event is so uh yeah i'm glad people are just are jacked for it i'm jacked for it and um yeah i'm picking Oliveira win all the way i've been on the Oliveira train since god i don't know after the kevin lee fight i don't I, the tony ferguson thing definitely like when he when he beat him i thought that that win meant a lot uh maybe less so in retrospect but i'm picking him to win every time i'm just gonna keep riding it people keep doubting him uh, some people on the MMA fighting staff keep refusing to give him the number one spot in the rankings <laughs> i won't name him uh i think i honestly think islam's gonna come out really hot i think he's gonna give charles some some problems on the ground um i think i mentioned this on btl we could see like a 10-8 first round for islam just gets him on his back and it's just just pound on him and islam's and you know charles defending himself throwing up a few submissions um doing enough obviously not to get stopped you know he's getting hurt but not in real danger but just dominant first round by islam you, you some significant strike counter like islam outstruck him like 54 to 2 or something in the first round but then that Charles, that dog Charles Oliveira just comes out uh, and finds a way to sting Islam. Second round, clubbing and subbing, uh, takes his back, chokes him out, and then calls out Habib. And AK's plan keeps uh, stays in motion. <laughs> Sean, what do you got? Oh man, I've gone back and forth on this this quite a bit. I know some of us on this website are, have felt very strongly about our picks uh, when it comes to this matchup for a very long time. I think AK is probably in that camp as well. I've been back and forth, man. I, I, I'll be honest. I, I have been. I was on the Charles Oliveira train very early on during this winning streak, this run. I was sort of championing him, him when he was sort of that underrated contender who wasn't getting a look. But a funny thing happened because when he started actually fighting for titles, I haven't gotten a single one of his title fights right. I don't think. I think maybe I picked him over Michael Chandler, but other than that, I picked Gaethje, I picked Poirier. Like I just can't seem to get this right. Uh, and so, for the sake of Charles Oliveira and not changing things up. 
I'm gonna. I'm just gonna keep it going. I, I do really do feel like this is Islam Makachev's fight to lose, just stylistically. Uh, he is the perfect fighter you would build to to circumvent someone like Charles Oliveira and really counter a lot of what Charles does. I really feel strongly that Islam can take Charles Oliveira down and sort of sit in, in top position and, and avoid the danger and sort of exhaust him out slowly, grind him out slowly. I'm not gonna pull out any of the old cliches about Charles Oliveira is a quitter. Charles Oliveira gives up when when going is tough. That's absolutely ridiculous and we know that we've seen it he's proved it over and over again he is the farthest thing from a quitter at this point in his career that being said i do think islam makachev will wear him down over the course of three or four rounds and then pound out sort of a fourth round tko type of situation and become and new that's just how it looks to me but i would not be stunned either way and again if, if charles Oliveira can overcome this after continually being doubted over and over and over again and now to come in once again as the underdog in this title fight and, and if he's able to do it again we're looking at easily one of the greatest lightweights and just generally one of the greatest fighters and most remarkable careers we have seen in the ufc in a long long time i've said this many times on heck of a morning a lot this week so i'll say it again here everything on paper tells me islam makachev wins this fight and i think a lot of the salesmanship about charles Oliveira off of his back yeah, there's some truth to that, but I think it's a little oversold, if we're being honest. And there's plenty of past evidence to support that. But here's the thing, and I'm kind of thinking like Sean on this, but in a different way. In these last three or four fights for Oliveira on this incredible run, it seems like Oliveira should lose to Poirier, should lose to Gaethje. You could even make a strong case for losing to Michael Chandler. And the man just keeps finding ways to pull the chaos card out of the deck, slam it on the table, and just love it before delivering some just ridiculous finish. So I have no technical breakdown for this prediction. This is purely vibes, but I'm playing the Ric Flair card. And even though he doesn't have the title right now, Charles Oliveira is the man, and to be the man, you got to beat the man. And until I see somebody actually beat this man with my own eyes, I'm done doubting him. This man is just defying logic right now. It doesn't make sense, this run that he's on right now. And it's going to end at some point. At some point, he's going to dive into the fire a little bit too deep. But until I see that, I'm picking Charles Oliveira. I'm not doubting him anymore. So my official pick with just pure guess, Charles Oliveira, second round KO, TKO. That's what I'm going with. And very little confidence in that pick, but I'm just done doubting this man. But I can't wait. We could spend another hour and a half on this fight, but we're not going to because I want to move to the co-main event. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. 
Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Maybe the best skill for skill fight on the entire card. It's for the Bantamweight title. Aljamain Sterling defending against the former champion, the two-time champ, TJ Dillashaw. Sean, this fight rules, man. And yet, if most fans, which... Like, if most fans could rank which fights they're looking forward to the most, this one might be third, maybe even lower, which is really interesting. So your thoughts about this fight for the 135-pound strap? You're right. You're right, Mike Heck. This fight does rule. And yeah, it's not getting the attention, I think, probably that it should. And I, it's not it's not any secret why, right? Look at this fight in an absolute vacuum. St- skill for skill, style for style, like the actual matchup itself is compelling. But if you look at, if you sort of extend outward and look at it more broadly, there's a lot of factors that I think are playing into people's not apathy towards it, but maybe lack of uh, excitement compared to relative to the other fights, right? Aljamain Sterling, it still feels like doesn't get a lot of the respect that he deserves from the fan base. He's not a very beloved champion right now. He de- certainly doesn't do himself very many favors in in that regard, just publicly with some of the things that he he sort of does and says and just et cetera, et cetera. We don't need to get into it. Uh, and then on the other side, TJ Dillashaw is a cheater, right? Like he's just a, a guy who came off a very long suspension for cheating in a very egregious way and then won a controversial decision that I think a lot of people, myself included, felt like he didn't actually win against Corey Sanhagen. And also he kind of circumvented and ended this magical run that Jose Aldo was on because it felt like for a lot of people, myself included again, that Jose Aldo should have gotten this title shot as sort of this last legacy fight because he had earned it rather than the guy who had cheated and won one controversial fight and then sort of coming back just because he has a big name. Uh, so I think that a lot of, a lot of that plays into it. Uh, that being said, it is still just a magical fight stylistically. Aljamain Sterling is the backpack of all backpacks. He's the guy who, who can shoot 24 times and he only needs two, right? Like what gets Peter Yan, he went two of 20 or some, something like that on takedowns, but those two were all he needed to get the job done. Uh, and TJ Dillashaw is just one one of the greatest bantamweights we've ever seen. Very entertaining fighter in and of itself. A, a, a style, striking style, that is extremely difficult to, to emulate in training, extremely difficult to, to sort of adjust to on the fly, but also a very strong wrestler as well who has one of the highest takedown defensive percentages in the history of this division. And so that in and of itself is interesting, right? Can Aljamain do what no one else has really been able to do to TJ? I love it. But I agree with you that this fight is sort of flying under the radar when it comes to the big ones on this card. Where's your head at with this fight right now, AK? We talked a lot about legacy and why it's flying under the radar yesterday on BTL, but we didn't spend a ton of time on the matchup itself. What do you think is we're a little over 24 hours away from it happening? You're muted again, AJ. We are just on uh... fire today. My button's a little finicky. I press it. It's just not... uh, Anyway. Uh, Stylistically, I love it. Like, I think on paper, uh, this to me looks like a TJ, like a fight that leans very heavily towards TJ, like from what we know of his skill set. By the way, a lot of my thinking about this fight uh, comes from the amazing episode of uh, No Bets Barred that uh, Shaheen was on with Connor and uh, and Jed Mishu. Uh, Amazing. Maybe the best, most irresponsible episode of uh of no bets part ever and i recommend everyone listen to it and of course and of course why you're responsible listen to it for recreational purposes people no don't don't bet on mma and i always say that don't bet on mma uh i certainly wouldn't and i certainly wouldn't do it uh taking the advice of three three geniuses uh connor jed and shaheen but it was very intriguing i'm saying if i were a betting man 
I might listen to some of the some of the best they threw out there. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm not telling people to do it. I'm just saying. Um, but yeah, one of the I'll, I'll let I'll let Shaheen say like there, there's actually a really big age related uh, factor here, uh, which I won't dive into too much again. That that Shaheen brought up, which kind of blew my mind when it was brought up. Uh, sort of like a, a record that that might be that would be broken. But um, yeah, I I I love TJ. Listen, he's a great wrestler. People always I think people forget that he was kind of a wrestler first, who just you know worked super hard into striking and got coached by the right people and is now thought as as thought of as one of the best uh strikers at 135 pounds ever you know he kind of took that dominant cruise style and and made it his own improved on it he's got a lot more power than dom has ever had um i thought he beat dom uh and that in the one fight they had it's a shame they never rematched um he did lose a decision there but um so on paper again it's it really feels like uh, aljermaine sterling is is right for the picking uh that might be unfair it might be because he won the title by DQ. It might be because his um, rematch with a big win over Jan wasn't convincing to a lot of people. And it was a super, super close fight. Um, so it's not as if Sterling has been a dominant uh, champion. Uh, and there was even fights before he became champion, which were, you know, he won. Just, there were some decisions he won that are, are somewhat forgettable. So people do not view him on the level of, uh, of TJ Dillashaw of Dominic Cruz, of the guys we look at as, as the best. People were saying that if, if uh, J- uh, Jose Aldo had gotten this title fight, that they would favor him over Aljamain. Uh, so I'm a little surprised that Aljo is actually going in um, as the favorite for this fight. But uh, listen, he's proved a lot of people wrong, I think, with some of his performances. Again, say what you want about the second Yon fight. He came out with the win. He came out with the victory. He did enough to convince two judges uh, that he won. Will he be able to do that at 280? Because I do think the fight is going to go to a decision. I don't know. Uh, but he has certainly earned the right to be the favorite. I think he's earned a lot of respect from people. And I just wish the story could, this, you know, the stories going to this fight could be a little bit more inspirational. And it wasn't, you know, the guy who um, who uh, got who won by DQ to win the title versus the guy who just missed a chunk of his career because he admitted to cheating. That's how a lot of people are going to view it. And that's unfortunate because just in cage-wise, uh, again, as good a bantamweight fight as you can make right now. Look, we're we're all going to have adrenaline running through our our bones, our bodies for the next 24 hours waiting for this fight card to happen. The excitement is everywhere on Twitter. So if you're looking for something to watch, I'm going to give you all a little homework assignment. Go back and watch TJ Dillashaw versus Corey Sandhagen. You're going to view it differently watching it the second time, I promise you. I'm not, I came out of it still thinking Sandhagen won, but I also came out of it thinking, okay, if you if you've scored it for TJ, I get it. I understand. And by the way, TJ got injured early in that fight. A lot of people forget that. But Sean, currently, Aljamain Sterling is a minus 175 favorite. Comeback on TJ Dillashaw, plus 150, according to our good friends at DraftKings, which, by the way, use the code THEMMAHOUR. You get get a little bonus, a little gift, if you will, if you're playing the ponies tomorrow. Like AK said, to me, this line's a little bit stunning, but what's the pick? Are we going and once again or and still? You're right. I, I, that line surprised me as well when I saw it because um, I, I just sort of assumed reputation-wise, given the legacy that TJ Dillashaw has, that TJ would come into this fight as the favorite. But then if you take a second, right, and you step back and you sort of look at the, the surrounding factors, it makes a little bit of sense. TJ Dillashaw is 36 years old right now. And I think that's the biggest factor of all of this when we look at this right now. Obviously, he missed some time and so... So, you know, it's not like he was taking damage during the years that he was out. But ultimately, this is still a man who is 36 years old. He's going to turn 37 in February, which is, which is coming right up. 
if he were to beat Aljamain Sterling, and this is what AK was alluding to when he was speaking earlier, if he was to be, if he were to beat Aljamain Sterling on Saturday, TJ Dillashaw would by far, by far, be the oldest UFC champion, undisputed UFC champion, to ever hold that undisputed title under 170 pounds, ever, right? Like ever, like lightweight, featherweight, bantamweight, flyweight. For the men's side, TJ Dillashaw would be the oldest UFC champion under 170 to ever become champion if he were to beat Aljamain Sterling. That's huge, man. That's huge because that, those divisions, those those lighter weight divisions are such quick twitch divisions. They're, they're, it's speed, it's it's um, reflexes, just you know reactions, a lot of that. That's what makes champions. That's what makes contenders at these at these higher divisions. And we saw just how, how TJ struggled to a certain degree against Corey Sanig. And I know you just said he was injured, but ultimately this is not the same TJ Dillashaw we were seeing fight Hennon Burrell and, and you know Cody Garbrandt and all that these, all those years ago. He is an older man uh, who would make really again UFC history if he were able to do it at this age. And I think that is a huge factor that plays into this. We're not getting the prime TJ Dillashaw. We're getting this post prime where he's still obviously very good. But I just don't I, – I, this would be a much different matchup if he were 31, 32, something in that range. That being said, it does to me feel like a very difficult stylistic matchup for Aljamain Sterling. I mean I, we know what Aljo is going to want to do in there. He's still somewhat uncomfortable on his feet uh, and he wants to get the fight to where his bread and, butter, bread and butter is, which is on the ground, in the backpack, just all of that. That's what he's about. TJ Dillashaw doesn't really let guys get to that spot. He doesn't get taken down. He doesn't really get controlled on the ground at all. I think he Jed, – Jed earlier this week, Jed Mishu, our good friend, had a great stat on, on No Bets Bar where I think it was something to the effect of like 88 seconds total. Or I could be butchering that number, so don't quote me exactly. But 88 seconds total was how long TJ Dillashaw has been controlled in his entire UFC career on the ground, which is a very long career spending a lot of fights. So it just doesn't happen very often. And for me, that is one of the biggest factors coming into this. And I think that's going to be something that's very difficult for Aljamain to overcome is that idea of where he wants to get the fight is, is the most difficult place to get it against a guy like TJ. I pick TJ. I think TJ gets this done, but I won't be at all surprised if Aljamain is able to come in and do his thing again. TJ Dillashaw is going to be 37 pretty soon, man. That that matters most in these lighter weight divisions, and I think that's being overlooked. It's a great point right there. AK, what's your official pick? Yeah, that that age stat, the age stat, and the below the below 170 uh, champion age stat just blew my mind, man. When I heard that in the show, I was like, I was so confident in Dillashaw. I'm so confident because if we're just going skill for skill and looking at the statistics, takedown defense, the control time, all that stuff, it's like, man, it's like, how can Aljo win this? But He's rapidly improving. He's a very strong wrestler. Like we always say, you know, we were saying, oh, he, he rarely gets controlled. But, you know, you could see you could see that being the story of the fight somehow. Imagine if Aljamain like does, you know, he's the, he's a bit younger. He's had a bit less mileage. Imagine if he just has more in the gas tank and that wrestling does start um, going off in like rounds three, four, five. Then then we start bringing that up and going like, man, no one has ever done this to TJ Dillashaw before. And MMA is such a, a, a business, such a form of entertainment of, of the never before scene. So is this the first time we see it? So I'm still, again, I cannot go away with what I know of TJ's skill set. Um, Mike, you're right. The Sanhagen fight, it, it, it was it was a – whether you thought he won or lost, Scott Dillashaw, it's a revealing fight. It is a revealing fight. And it does tell us a lot about this. It does tell us a lot about why Alzheimer probably is getting that, that champion's respect, why he is favored. But I, I do – I still like Dillashaw by decision. I think he's going to do enough in the early rounds, even if he does fade – even if father time does start, you know, taking its toll on him, I think he'll do enough to win. Could be controversial. I hope not. Um, and it might not be the last, but if it, if it is controversial, might not be the last time that we see these two 
step into the step into the cage. So I'm going Dillashaw uh, by decision in a really really competitive fight. Aljamain Sterling, and I might even be just playing this real safe here. He might be one of the he, he's he's a top ten most underappreciated fighter in the history of the UFC. This guy's just never gotten his due. He's an excellent fighter. The guy's resume just doesn't get enough credit, and it's happened his entire UFC run. Having said that, I do think this is a really, really tough matchup for him. Aljamain said to TJ during the final faceoff, because they were sort of mic'd up on the UFC stream, that they ain't wrestling. They're going to strike. He's going to give TJ what he wants. And if that's the case, good luck, man. Good luck to you. I think it's more gamesmanship than anything. But, man, I, I just... I just think TJ's wrestling is really good. It's very underrated. And and like Sean said, with that ridiculous number of 88 seconds, if you get him down, he gets right back up. And I think the, the guy who's controlled him the most is Dominic Cruz. And it was for like 30 something seconds after like three or four takedowns in that fight in Boston. So the big question is, can Sterling get the back? He needs to get the back. This is what the bread and butter is. He's got to get his back. And if he can't, what's he going to do? Because I think he's going to be in for a very tough night if he can't get it. And I don't think he will. So give me TJ Dillashaw to win this fight. I do think that the final two rounds are going to be a battle of of wills. I think both guys are going to fade down the stretch a little bit. But I do think TJ starts to pull away in the later rounds. So I don't think this fight gets finished. I think we're going to the cards and I think Dillashaw is going to win by decision and it makes some history in the process. So I can't wait for the fight. I could be totally wrong. And that's the beauty of this card because we can have these kinds of conversations about a lot of these fights. Now we could break down the next four fights with ease gentlemen, but then we'd have a 14 hour preview show and I don't want to do that. So Sean, I'm just going to let you choose one other fight on this card that we haven't, dis- that we haven't discussed and wax poetically on. Of course, there's a low-hanging fruit of Piotr Jan versus Sean O'Malley, but everyone's talking about that. So maybe you want to dig a little bit deeper here. What fight interests you most outside of the two title fights and why? Oh, man, you're really stealing my thunder. I was going to take that low-hanging fruit, and I was going to enjoy you that low-hanging fruit. Take a Do big it. bite out of it because that's like, munch on it. like a big bite. Munch on it. It's, it's, it's lunchtime. Such, I'll, I'll munch on it a little bit. I'll munch on it a little bit. It's, <laughs> it's such a good fight, right? Because like... There are so many factors going into this. I think a lot of people still feel like Piotr Jan is is the best, if not the second best, 135er in the world. We don't even have Sean O'Malley in our rankings on MMA fighting. That's how we think of of Sean O'Malley as as a website, apparently. We don't think he's a top 15 bantamweight. But the jump in competition here is one of those few things. Like I can't think of many parallels to the jump in competition that Sean O'Malley is having right now, at least in terms of the, the modern UFC of the last 10 years. Like we just really don't see this kind of escalation when there are, haven't been the results to back it up. And, and that is one thing to me that there's two factors in this fight, right? One is that if this was a five round fight, I think a lot of people would be feeling much, much, much more confident in picking Piotr Jan to win this fight because he is historically a very, very slow starter, someone who gives away the first round, who de- takes in the first round, downloads information, processes it, applies it on the fly, and then sort of approaches the rest of the fight with what he's gotten. You can't really give up one of the rounds when there's only three rounds, whereas Sean O'Malley is this incredibly fast starter who gets all these first-round knockouts, and he's very dynamic. He's very explosive in this first round, and then we've seen him sort of start to, if not fade, at least get figured out over the course of, of, of fights. Um, and so that that in and of itself is interesting, right? It, it, 
is a three-round fight. If Piotr Allen's going to do the same thing that he always does, he might lose this first round. Then he has to win the next two. Can he do that? That be Or is he going to switch up his, his whole strategy and sort of be more aggressive uh, against this guy who's very boisterous and very in his face? That is interesting, but also just the fact of, you know, like Sean O'Malley, Sean O'Malley is this guy who, who he's been in the, I'm trying to think of a way to phrase it, but essentially like you, he has been in the UFC longer than you would think, right? Like if, if you just like said, Hey, Hey Mike, how long has Sean O'Malley been in the UFC? I think a lot of people would say, Oh, he's been there maybe like two, three years. Like he's, he's still an upcoming prospect. We're on year five with Sean O'Malley. We're on year five with Sean O'Malley, and we still have so many unanswered questions with this guy uh, in regards to his ceiling, in regards to what happens when the going gets tough. We have seen twice now things get weird or you know him having to come back from adversity in these fights, once in the Cheeto Vera fight and once in the Pedro Munoz fight. And both those fights ended up in a very strange places, right? He lost one, the other ended up being a no contest. We have not seen Sean O'Malley come back from adversity. We are we don't know if he has that in him, that dog in him, to be able to not be that front runner, but to mount uh, a come from behind victory, to to overcome, you know, whatever is coming his way, and then and, and adjust and, and make the changes on the fly, and ultimately come out victorious. We don't know if he has that in him. Whereas Peter Jan's a dog, man. Like we know that that dude is ice cold, and he absolutely has that. In and so th- th- those kind of questions, I'm really looking forward to seeing an answer because P- Piotr Jan is absolutely the type of guy who's going to bring that out of Sean O'Malley and maybe vice versa in-, in that regard. So just the way this bantamweight division has shaped up, where we sort of have the stakes with this fight leading into Saturday night, uh, I-, I absolutely love it. We've sort of been calling it a round robin and a Grand Prix style to see who's going to be the next up in line at 135. And I think we all firmly believe if Sean actually pulls this off and pulls off the upset, he will be getting that title shot regardless of his loss to Cheeto and the fact that Cheeto is one of the other people out there. That's just sort of how the sport works. So just the stakes involved in this, the questions that will be answered, just all of it. It's all so unknowable and it's all sort of in the air right now. And I absolutely love fights like this where we have no actual idea what we're going to see when, when, when these two guys collide. We have, we think we have an idea, but we could be totally wrong and it wouldn't be very shocking. So to me, all of it just makes this so compelling. AK, there's a song, an old song. It's called What a Difference a Day Makes. And on BTL yesterday, you talked about Man and Fioro versus Caitlin yeah. Chukagian being your circled up fight. But we, I know you, AK. You're my best friend. And you are mm-hmm. not a fan, to say the very least, of any fighter missing weight for any reason, which Caitlin Chukagian did for this uh-huh. one. So with that in with that in there, is this still at the top of your list? Do you want to react to the weight miss and did anything change? Still up there. I definitely want to take the opportunity to talk about another fight, but I will say disappointing for Chukagian. Um really, I mean, look, she's a lot it's a tough road back for her to get a title shot anyway. If she beats Menon, I mean she stops Menon from getting a title shot, but does not necessarily get a title shot herself. Her, she's had a, a title fight already, pretty one-sided. Um, her fighting style is not the most exciting. If I'm if I'm putting it kindly, she wins fights. Listen, I'm not I'm not taking away from what she does. The most important thing to do is to win fights, and she does that real well. Um, so she's she should keep doing what she's doing. But yeah, missing weight's a bad look. Um, if she loses, it's going to push her way 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 far back in the contenders line. Um, you know, because like I said, what she has going for her is that she keeps winning. So even if she misses weight. Um, Sorry, as I was going to say, even though she missed weight, I don't know how much it hurts her as long as she wins. Because even if she'd made weight, she wasn't getting the next title fight anyway. Um, so this may just be viewed as a blip. 1.5 is pretty bad. 
uh, you know, anything heavier than that would have been considerably worried when you're missing by two. But if you're still in the one one point five range, I don't know if the UFC is going to kill you for it. Uh, Casey and I were talking about this before the show that we at least appreciate that she didn't like she didn't drain like it, it sounded like um, from reports that she kind of knew she wasn't going to make it. The weight just wasn't coming off, so she was not the last person to show up. Uh, she showed up probably like an hour in within the first hour or a little after the first hour, missed the weight. Said pretty. We found out pretty shortly after she wasn't going to make a second attempt. She had time. She's like, no, I'm not going to do it. So in that sense, at least we kind of appreciate that she knows her body, um, and she knew what she was doing. But yeah, if you're the UFC, if you're the UFC, you can't be happy about it. Stakes still the same for Manuel Ferro, so that's good. Um, but yeah, if she loses, uh, boy, this just mucks up that flyweight title picture a little bit more. Thankfully, we've got Grasso. We've got some other challenges coming up. But um, it's intriguing. But uh, yes, I'll, I'll I'll bump it down a notch below now. The Mokayev Malcolm Gordon fight. Uh, this isn't so much as like, oh, I think this is going to be an exciting back and forth fight. My fellow Canadian Malcolm Gordon, very much being sacrificed to the the uh, the fast rising Mokayev. I believe last time I checked on DraftKings, I was minus eleven fifty or something like that favorite, which is absurd for a twenty two year old in his third UFC fight. But with everything we know about him, his great amateur experience, his his very uh, championship friendly, you know, wrestling heavy fighting style, I I, I mean, it's the line is reasonable. That's the crazy thing is a lot of us are looking at that minus eleven hundred line and going like, yeah, that's where it should be. Um, so this should be a good showcase for him. Probably the last time we see him this low on a card ever again. From here on out, it's fight night main cards. It's probably pay per view main cards. At the very worst, on a pay per view, he's going to be the featured uh, featured prelim. So enjoy these kind of these kind of moments while you can, because that Makayev boom is coming if it hasn't already happened. He's going to own 2023, uh, and as Jed Mishu always says, very likely will be competing for uh, titles in two divisions. So I want to see, but I want to see him get a finish. That's the thing here. He had a super tough opponent in Charles Johnson last time, so no shame in not being able to finish him. Uh, Malcolm Gordon, a good fighter, but a guy who gets finished a lot. So if he controls him for three rounds, great. That's cool. But I want to see a finish. I, I, I want to see him really make a statement and put and put Malcolm Gordon away. Yes, no, and that just shows the depth of this card because no one's talking about Muhammad Hayef on this card. And how dare you, AK, give the two division champion credit to Jed Mashu? Get out of here! It's this guy right here with the two All right. Uh Yes, but I'm glad you said that because no one's talking about that. I love me some Sean Brady versus Bilal Muhammad. The closer we get to this fight, the more fascinated I am by it. But I'm going to give some well-deserved love Mike. and respect. Do it, Mike. Do it. To the man who gets none. And Do it. Opponent, Benil Dariush versus Matusha Gamrod. This fight is spectacular to me. It's skill for skill. It might, like, if you take stakes out of this and just put each fight in a vacuum, I might want to party with this little vacuum here because this is just going to be insane. This is going to clean the floor super quick. And... This is going to be the most competitive fight on the card. That's my only prediction. I can't predict who's going to win because I have no idea how this is going to go. If you're going to tell me and force me to make a pick, I'm leaning towards the wily vet, Benil Dariush, but nothing in this fight would shock me. Not at all. There is a part of me, though. I will say this. The fan of MMA side that I don't tap tap into all that much on these programs I just kind of want to see a guy like Benil Dariush have something pleasant happen to him. Like, like in the sport, I, I feel like this guy just, the MA gods just don't like this man. And 
even so, they still might not like him even if he wins because I still don't think he's going to get a title shot if he does, although he'll certainly deserve it. But I think Benil's okay with that. Like, I think he's accepted that even if he beats Matush Gamera, he's probably not getting a title fight. But I just don't want to see this man get so close to it and be in this conversation for so long and then losing to Matush Gamrod, it would just be so catastrophic. So that's my fight. The fight's going to be fantastic. I literally have no clue what's going to happen. I'm leaning towards Darius, but this is probably just because I just want to see something good happen to this man as a mixed martial artist. Uh, we also lost a fight. We lost Zubaira Tukagov versus Lucas Almeida. Weight management issues was the reason. So we're going 12 fights in this bad boy. Main card still fully intact, which, by the way, you can watch live with us off to New York first thing in the morning to join GC in studio for the first ever MMA fighting watch party. We'll have some special guests, including a great choice for a fighter to watch the main event with all of us. So stay tuned. Starts at 1.45 p.m. Eastern, 10.45 in the morning on the West Coast. It's going to be chaotic and fun, maybe a bit unpredictable, but that's the way I like to do things. So make sure you join us for that. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Casey, my man, baddest stash in MMA media. There he is, Mr. 3024, hashtag Mike Jackson's next foe. What's up, buddy? Let's go. Ooh, um, once again, apologies for the opening. It's very early on the West Coast. <laughs> I just didn't know what was going on. It was, it was just we had we had we had weigh-in fiascos like just a few hours ago. So I was up to like two in the morning. So apologies and, and just the excitement and. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I was like, I've, it's been on my mind the whole time. You guys were all blah blah blah, fights, fights, fights. I was like, man, I only had one job. Just say mixed martial arts. <laughs> I only had one job. That's all I have to do. So, apologies. It's all good, my man. It's all good. It's all good. If we're card the, the like throw this, clearing. I, <laughs> The throw clearing was actually on beat, so it actually yeah. didn't seem like it was. I think it threw me off. I think so. yeah, I was yeah, I was throat clearing on beat, so it messed me up. All right. Let's go to the peeps. Let's take some thoughts from the peeps. Uh, we'll take a few. We're rolling here. We did pretty good. Say, it, it, it speaks to the depth of this card that we spoke for an hour and like <laughs> only now mentioned Matush Gamrot and Benil Darius just fighting an absolute banger for crazy stakes and like just one of the most unpredictable. And like you said, Mike, like that's going to be the wildest fight on the card probably. See, but, the fact that we just now mentioned it like an hour in. That's there's another one too. There's another one that like literally nobody's talking about at 205. Two top 10 dudes mm-hmm. getting after it, which is going to be even more like 
that's gonna be just pure chaos for as long as it lasts between Krylov and Ozdemir. But are both, are both again, the top I'm, ten? Above the yeah, case. I think so. No, Krylov yeah. isn't. Kry, at least not for us. Krylov. Is he eleven? Oh. Yeah, okay, not maybe. for us. And the UFC rankings, he is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah so a little, I'm, I'm a little. Krylov is a farve. I'm a little ashamed of AK because Vulcan's AK's guy. And uh-huh. he, he didn't bring him up once. Like I feel like he almost did yeah. him a disservice. No time. I'm not touching that. I'm not touching that fight. I'm not touching that fight. I got no prediction for that fight. I got no clue how it's going to go. I'm not touching it. Uh, and by the way, we mentioned the Dariush Gamrat fight having stakes. I don't know if our viewers agree because I put up a poll. Who is most likely to earn their first title shot at UFC 280? Sean O'Malley, of course, in the lead. Big time. 50%. 50%. Menel Ferro tied for last at 16%. And then uh, Dariush at 19%. Gamrat at 16%. So I don't know if people, I don't know if that lightweight fight does have a lot of stakes. <laughs> Is is that you seem surprised by Manon? Is that is that surprising to you? Because that doesn't that's not surprising I, to me. I'm, I'm I'm thinking people just think she's not going to win. Yeah, death taxes, Caitlin Chukagian yeah. by decision. Yeah, right? like that's that's, that's just, really the issue. Yeah, yeah. We've if seen you, the story. If you before. don't bet on Chukagian, if you don't bet on Chukagian, you're out of your mind. Especially decision, she's the underdog. Minus, she's the underdog well, in this fight. It's no. crazy. Chikagian, and what was it like minus two forty by decision or something? Yeah, not that I not Chikagian that I heard. Or plus two forty, plus plus two forty, right? Chukagian by decision will get you a plus two forty. Or at least it did. I don't know what it is right not now. That I, not that I care about those sort of things. Not that I care about those sort yeah. of things. I just, that was just a random, uh, off the top of my head, uh, guess. Well done. Well done. All right. All right. Um. <laughs> a Vulcan question. <laughs> did Vulcan look a little puffy on the scale? I didn't watch the weigh-ins, AK. Did, did okay, look, you're, did you're, the way in, you're the weigh-in I expert. I wasn't looking closely. I don't think he's puffy. Uh, how, old is, how old is Vulcan now? Vulcan, oh, he's only 33, but he's never been, like, super jacked, has he? He's, like, in good shape. I don't think he, he looks puffy. Yeah. yeah, I don't think he looks puffy. That's a little, come on, D. I, I just think that's, that's the first time someone's referred to a 205 as puffy. I don't know. <laughs> just, puffy. <laughs> it just popped when I saw it on the screen. Uh, while you're while you're looking, Casey, let me just throw this out. Do, do you guys what? How do you feel about the idea of Alexander Volkanovsky being the next up at, at line in line here at one eight one fifty five? Like, does that do you like that? Because I don't know that I I'm on board with it quite as much as it seems like everybody else is. I don't know if he is though. Like I know Dana said it makes sense, but even when Jose talked to Dana today, he was like, I don't know. I don't know if that's happening or not. So I think it just kind of got blown out of proportion in the media a little bit. Like those words were twisted into a whole other thing. I, I just think with the UFC going to Perth, I don't, I just think Volkanovsky is going to defend the other belt. I, I could be wrong. And I just think there's so many other factors in play here. One of which I hate to say it. Conor you know, you're going to say it. Yep. Connor's, especially if Charles wins, I don't think he's going to fight Islam. And I think that's a, just an atrocious idea for him. If he ex- would accept that fight. But Charles, I think, is a big one, and I think it's in play, and I think that's a fight Charles will want. So I'm not ruling that out. Connor always looms over these things. We also got Poirier and Chandler who, you know, listen, they're both coming off loss to Charles Oliver. But if Islam Makachev wins, there's a very good chance that one of those two guys could fight for the belt. So I don't think Volk is as much in play as a lot of people think. I could be wrong. If he is, cool, but I I don't know. I, I think... I would bet against him fighting for the lightweight title in his next fight. Uh, we have we have someone in the comments saying like, "Oh, I, I was insulting the lightweight title fight by saying it doesn't have title stakes." Uh, not lightweight, excuse me, the lightweight contenders fight. Uh, 
if you guys think Benil Darius is guaranteed anything, uh, even if he beats Matush Gamrat, you are insane. You have not been following the c- career not. of Benil Darius. He literally just got bumped out of the backup spot by uh, by Alexander Volkanovsky. He thought he was the backup. That's a, when this card was first put together. We're like, oh, what a great spot for Darius. He's got a big fight and, and could potentially serve as the backup. And that was just completely taken away from him. And Gamrat is, I would be shocked if he got, even if he like knocked out or, or submitted uh, Darius or something, I would be very shocked if he got. Uh, the title fight next. Like we said, there's the Connor factor. Um, there's rematches that could happen again. There's the whole Khabib thing that I keep pushing. Uh, so it's a great fight. I'm not disrespecting the fight. It's one of the most compelling fights on an insanely loaded card. Um, but I don't like. I I, I, kind of, I understand why people are not voting for it as having like major title implications. Oh, there's there's uh, maybe, zero, maybe there's zero chance term, the winners getting title shot from that. That's fight. what I'm saying. Yeah, it's a great I wouldn't fight. say zero. I wouldn't say zero. I mean, there, there's always a small chance. <laughs> Minus a bunch of injuries outside of the fight, like Volkan gets injured or some, oh, not Volkan, uh, uh, Volkanovski mm. gets injured. Um, no, this fight is an awesome fight on paper, but it sucks for Darius, this fight. It's just like, this is an incredibly hard fight, and it's just to keep his place, I think. Yeah, he, he has truly inherited, now that Leon is sort of ascended mm-hmm. to, as champion, is no longer that guy. Like, Benil is the unluckiest man in MMA for the most part, it seems like. At least of, like, high-level fighters, like, he has inherited that mantle. His last few years have been, like, utterly... You just look at sort of the ups and downs and, like, what he's been dealing with and all the missed opportunities, like, sucks, man. It absolutely sucks. Because you're right, it is some, he is someone who is a very fun action mm-hmm. fighter. He's very talented in his, right, in his own right. He's just not the guy who's going to play to the media and you know give the quippy lines and, and talk yeah. about how he needs to fight for his title. Yeah, and, and I and I and I'm not sure what Gamrot. If Gamrot wins, then yeah, obviously maybe his next fight could be potentially there. But yeah, I just don't think he has that. He doesn't move the needle enough over in the states at least. Um, even though he's incredible, and, and I think maybe because I thought Zarukian won the last fight even though it was incredibly close. So I think that kind of, that baggage carries over just a bit. But to the questions. Talking about scales, Charles looked so confident in the stare down. Islam looked kind of timid. Is the pressure getting to Islam? So Sean, I'm not a body language expert by any stretch of the imagination, but I've seen a lot on Twitter over the last, I don't know, 45 minutes since coming on here is that people have noticed the approaches of both guys that Islam is maybe a little timid. It's all about, you know, putting on a show for the fans. And Charles is just like, I'm going to kill this guy. Like, I'm going to go out there and kill this guy tomorrow. And he's a little more serious and focused about that. Do you agree with that at all? Like, have you seen anything that tells you any of those things to be true? No, I, I don't know that I buy into that too much. I mean, that's just sort of who Islam is, right? Like he's a very low key guy. He almost like whispers in his interviews and even at the press conference, like when he speaks, he, he's very soft spoken and understated. He, he's not that big bombastic personality, even Habib, like Habib wasn't Connor in that way of just being that big bombastic guy, but he would play into it a little bit. He would have lines and he would sort of, you know, go on monologues and whatever, like get animated. Like Islam's just not that dude so i haven't seen anything from islam this week that feels any different to me outside of maybe just the reception he's getting and and sort of his surprise and learning how to handle that uh but i will say i mean charles charles looks focused man like charles looks like a killer like charles looks like that we always say it a lot but he looks that guy like that guy who knows something that the rest of us don't and he's just waiting to let the world in on his secret like i love that 
when you approach fight week like that and like <laughs> especially like bringing the gang and just like everyone on his team has the the blonde hair now like all of this like i i am so into what charles Oliveira is doing right now the way he's approaching this weekend just the way he's carrying himself i know the division doesn't have a champion but if you just showed someone who has no idea what's going on like these two guys you would point out that person would think that charles Oliveira is the champion because of the way that he's carrying himself right now like it, it he is standing out in a really cool way I would say the dynamic between Islam and Charles is really fun to watch. Just a different person, which which is why prize fighting is fun. Which is why we're so into this main event because it's just two different personalities. I completely disagree if the whole Islam looks uh, timid. Watch, just watch yeah. any footage of Islam. That's just how he is. I, I think Islam looks like Islam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think even for his wins, he's like he he does a little yeah I won, and then it's just back to whatever. Um, just kind of yeah i don't see that at all but i want to talk about earlier real quick y'all talked about um who needs this fight more i just i just felt like i had to throw this in i feel like you, i think all three of you were like islam you kind of islam needs this fight more it's, it's more important to his legacy was that kind of correct that's what i said i don't know about yeah. these guys oh okay. i agree no i agree oh, I, I Islam needs this more i think it's to me i think it's charles because the fact that Charles is a, a to me a significant underdog as a as a as a, a what, three time champ coming into this fight, he's still an underdog because I still think he is the uncrowned champ because he has to be Islam, and to me like he's not he's not the champ till he till tomorrow night, and like this has always been the fight. I mean like right now I think uh, on our rankings we all have Islam number two, just more of the because he just, just doesn't have the competition. He hasn't faced the competition to really justify putting it over uh, Oliver, but it's like, yeah, I just don't believe like, Charles to get that. We know we, we, he, we know he's going to be a great champ. We know he is a good champ, but to me, he's on that kind of steep a level when the sense like, yeah, he has the numbers, but he just, he just, does, he doesn't have that one win. And I think when like steep a lost to DC or lost to uh, say Francis the second time, I feel like it, it kind of set reality in, and I feel like that's where Charles is right now. And he has to beat Islam to kind of get over that hump. That's why. That's why I think Charles is, is a more important fight for Charles. I mean, he he certainly right. Like like I, I kind of rambled a bit, but you know, you know what I'm trying to say. Like he, he still doesn't. If he doesn't beat Islam, he still is just a good champ rather than like that Habib level champ. That's the thing. I, he certainly ascends if he if he wins this fight on saturday like especially if he does it in the way that he's been winning these fights like he ascends into a different plane of all-time greats just in terms of when we talk about 155 like he is on the short list then at that point of habib bj frankie like islam or not islam but charles like mm -hmm. that there is a there's a few guys there at 155 in this really story division who sort of always will be mentioned and charles becomes one of those guys i think tomorrow if he does yeah. win. i'll certainly give you that yeah it's just yeah that's all i just um i, I just i, I just feel like it's just Go on. I don't think he's, I don't think he's at that level guys. quite yet. I don't you I don't know that he's quite reached it quite yet. You think he's already there where I like, think if, so. he, if he okay, okay, let's play this out. Like if he if he goes in tomorrow and he loses in a very Islam-esque way, right? Where, you know, he gets dominated for 15 minutes and then then submitted or pounded out in TKO, or whatever. You think we will be looking back 10 years from now calling Charles Oliveira, you know, a top three lightweight of all time? Because I don't know that that's the case. If, if top five, if that's top five. He's already in the top five, top five, top three, top three. Like he's just legacy building now. 
He, he is just legacy. But that's the importance of these fights, right? I mean, that's huge if he fits Islam. Then, then undisputed top three, he's already in the top five. I mean, I would love it to get to the point where people would, you know, say like, oh, he would definitely beat a prime BJ Penn or he definitely beat Khabib or that. You know, he has to prove that still. Um, but he's in the conversation. I think he's in the conversation. I think he, he has at least fought himself and built up a resume to the level uh, that that people would say, yeah, I could see him beating BJ Penn in his prime. I could see him beating, uh, I could see him beat, uh, well, I don't know, beating Khabib, but giving Khabib a competitive fight. I, I, want, I believe the conversation is there. Um, I don't know how much that changed after tomorrow, uh, at least the Khabib part. The BJ part, probably he beats a guy like Islam. But this is a strong resume compared to some of the previous lightweight champions. And he's won, what, 11? There's 11 straight now, right? He's on 11 straight wins. 11, yeah. This run alone cements him as a top five lightweight. I mean, I, I, I want to say he's top five, but yeah. I think we're talking, we're, talk, we're trying to, we're talking goat sure. status with, yeah, uh, like yeah, that next, he's not there. We, we already, I think we already, he's, he hit the top five. I think we're all kind of yeah. there. Um, I, and my big thing is, uh, and that's why I just can't – that's why the tomorrow's fight is so big for Charles because he needs to dominate Islam because, like, we, we – I don't think, think he of, does. He just needs to win. Well, he, he, yeah. yeah. He's not going to dominate Islam. He's not going to dominate. Gonna, like, we know well, he's and, not going to dominate. That's, he's going to do something and, insane. And that's why <laughs> Habib – and that's why, to me, Habib will still be just the GOAT because of, of his dominance. Like you say, like, Charles versus um, Dustin Poirier, Charles versus – Chandler they fight 10 times you don't say Oliveira wins 10 out of 10 but if Habib fights those guys you think Habib wins 10 out of 10 10 out of 10 10 out of 10 that's how that's how good Habib was Charles just he's just incredible he might be the most exciting lightweight champion we've ever had I think I, I think he's already there he's oh already yeah there. okay then let's just say that yeah. then he is the most exciting lightweight champion and and that, that's just, I think it's just the, the Habib Charles thing it's just it's not the numbers thing is about the dominance and how he and how Habib won. And Charles is just simply just an exciting fighter. Not simply, it sounds, it sounds like I'm like lowering him, but the excitement is I think elevates his status so much more with us. I don't know. That's how. It's that's just, how I it's just so stylistically they're just two completely different guys though. Mm-hmm. Like they're just. I mean, it's just it's just the way it is. It's hard to compare. You can compare win for win. Like if we just take. How it all played out? Because like Charles isn't gonna fight like Habib. Charles is gonna fight like Charles. Like, but Charles fought like a, Charles fought like Habib when he fought Ferguson. That was just that was he just kind of held him. Down. I mean, we forget we forget about that a he little just, bit, a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, Charles can't. I mean, he have also that fight. right, but he also had Tony Ferguson's arm literally broken. But Tony Ferguson's not a human being, and somehow he willed his way Terminator Two style to get his arm like back into place so it didn't uh, snap in half. Like that was just freakish stuff. His knee, yeah, his knee and his arm. Yeah, it was insanity. <laughs> I mean, it was just insanity. But the ju- to say like Habib's not going to fight Justin Gaethje the way that Charles Oliveira fought Justin Gaethje. He's just not going to do that. And if you told me Shaheen that. If I told you on the preview show before that fight that, hey, Sean, at the end of this, Charles Oliveira is going to be more chaotic than Justin Gaethje, and he's going to prove it. You would laugh in my face. You would never have believed no, me. No, I wouldn't. And he literally no, did I that. He literally did that. Yeah. He, and he literally went in there and out chaos Justin Gaethje. Like, he invited it. No one thought he would invite it the way that he did. And then he just – he swam in it. He did a swan dive into the chaos – and he rattled Justin Gaethje. Like, he had Justin mm-hmm. going backwards. He had him panicking a little bit. You've never seen anybody do that to Justin Gaethje. So it's just two completely different styles. I think the Gaethje win was massive for his resume. I know he missed Wade and he got stripped to the belt and all that. But I think that win over Gaethje, that was the leap of faith. Like, I think the Poirier one, 
people kind of went back. It was like, well, you, yeah. the, you got the title shot for, after two wins over Connor. But I think there was the Gaethje win in particular that was like, all right, this dude, this dude's the dude. I see. I would disagree slightly with what you the last, final point that you just mentioned because I think it was the Poirier win. Because if you remember going into Dustin Poirier, even we as a website had Dustin Poirier as the number one lightweight oh, yeah. in the world. Like that was the conversation going <laughs> yeah, in. That, that Dustin Poirier is the actual champion. What's this, this we thing? What's this we thing? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone but AK. Shout, um, and Guillermo Cruz. Shout out to Guillermo Cruz. Shout out to Guillermo Cruz. Uh, but like that was the conversation, right? Is that Dustin Poirier is the number one and we're just we're just all messing around here while we wait for him to actually be crowned. Um, I will say, like, if Charles wins in, in a Charles-esque fashion, Casey, sort of going back to what you were talking about on Saturday, it does shift the conversation in a way that I think would be very important, right? Because ultimately, Habib still has that that pureness of his record right the untouchedness of, of his run just the fact that he never really struggled with anybody like that is no one's going to ever really yeah. approach that or at least like no one in this era is going to approach that but i do think charles at that point will have a better just resume overall if you throw like hey what's your best five wins and you put charles best five wins against habib's like i think charles probably outpaces him in that regard but so i, I don't know I, I agree that you have the best five losses and Habib. But that's know. the thing. So, yeah. th- so then we, th- that's what I'm saying. It's, it's, it would change the conversation mm-hmm. in that Habib is still probably the GOAT just be purely for the dominance. But if you just look at like the best fighter in this division who has done the most, like the most decorated fighter, the most accomplished fighter, mm-hmm. that might actually become Charles at that point, I, which I, is that in and of itself, like that almost is more impressive because that is a, lang- a longevity thing, right? Like mm-hmm. longevity, we say it all the time, is the hardest thing to, to do in MMA is to be sustained greatness, to be good over so long of a period of time. That to me is more impressive than someone who just gets out in the middle of it. Because if, if, if you look at like a lot of the all-time great runs, like if Anderson Silva would have just left after the Forrest Griffin one, right? Or the Stephen Bonner one, like we would just be talking about him as Muhammad Ali for the rest of his career. The greatest like, of all time. He's the greatest yeah. of all time. There are a lot of champions. Jose Aldo, if Jose Aldo just leaves after the second Chad Mendes fight, like his, we're just talking about him historically for the rest of his life, just in a very different way than what ultimately played out. So that's the thing is like Habib cut his story short in a way that no one else really has done. And so we have to sort of adjust the way we talk about him because of that. Um, but to me, Charles Oliveira has the resume of Habib at that point if he wins on Saturday. All right. Let me, let me ask real quick. I don't, I don't want to get too deep into this. How high is he going to go, guys, in your pound-for-pound pound rankings if he beats Islam convincingly? Uh, I have him fourth in mine. I think he would jump oh, – I have him behind Nganu, Volkanovski, Adesanya. I think I'd jump him over Nganu. Uh, Mike, you have him so, the same thing. You have the same, exact same as me, exact same top four. So I don't know if he would jump over Ngannou for you. Shaheen, you have him three already. I don't know if he can go any higher. I don't know if he jumps Izzy. Casey, you have him pretty low. I, I imagine you jump a few I, people I have, in your I have him behind Makachev. Yeah. Yeah, you have him behind a few people. So I, I imagine obviously he jumps over Makachev, maybe yeah. a few others. I don't know. What are you guys thinking? Uh, Shaheen, does he does he jump over Izzy? Like a dominant win? That's dominant, rough. like... that's. Yeah, that's one of those where I, I need know. to see how it how yeah. it gets how done. Does it happen? Yeah. Uh, because if it is a very Charles esque win where battle he battles through some adversity and there are moments where it looks like he might be losing and it might be on his way out, I think I'll probably stick him stick with him at number sure. three. Uh, sure. But if he if he goes out there and just really surprises all of us and does some terrible things to Islam, like I might jump him over Izzy. I, I, for me, Volk is still the number one pound for pound fighter in yeah, the world yeah. just because he is the no single what. best most skilled most talented fighter in the world that i have seen uh at least currently right now but he, he has a chance to jump over izzy for sure to number two on mine 
Wow. He could get to three. He he could get to three. I could jump mm-hmm. him over Ngano, and it's only That's because he's had two wins in the same since Ngano had his, and Islam's a big one. So I don't think he jumps Izzy just yet. Izzy's getting ready to fight Alex Pajada. Obviously, if Izzy loses, I mean Charles Oliveira could be the number two pound for pound fighter on my list. Yeah. yeah. But we'll see. Ooh, what a big card. What a big card. All right. Uh, By the way, ranking so show coming out Tuesday. <laughs> that's right. Let's go. I can't wait. We are gonna we are gonna have some stuff to talk about next week. We are let's for I haven't damn been sure. on in a while. I have to I have to jump on this week. Get on. I'm, I'm just putting it on the top. All right. I've not Mike been on, on. Right. Best friend. Get in here. Let's do it. I like this question. <laughs> Where does O'Malley go in the rankings or title contention oh. prospects if he loses to Piotr Yan? Let me not, let me say first. I like I this question. Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I think Sean O'Malley has nothing to lose. Uh, I'm sure he doesn't feel the same way. Uh, losing sucks all the time. He's aware of what everyone's saying that he, there's, you know, quite literally a title shot uh, almost guaranteed if he puts on a good performance against Piotr Jan. But I think so many people expect him to lose and didn't even expect him to get this fight in the first place. I remember when it was booked, I was like, I was like, man, what a what a great fight for O'Malley. Like, if he loses to Piotr Jan, where's the shame in that? This is a former bantamweight champion, a guy who many people still think is the best guy at 135. A lot of people thought he 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 did not, you know, necessarily lose that second fight. It might have been, you know, draw at worst. So yeah, losing sucks. Losing out on a not nothing is guaranteed in MMA, by the way, but an all but guaranteed title shot. He's not going to be far away if he loses Piotr Jan. I don't think it pushes him back that far. He's again, he's not even ranked in our rankings. He's he's not even he doesn't even he's not even a Farv. Doesn't even have a vote. He's not. He's, Bantamweight's he's not, just he, tough. Bantamweight's so Bantamweight tough. Bantamweight is tough. Yeah, it's, there's just a lot of good guys. Especially like could, globally, like when you're including yeah, Bellator yeah, guys. Do, and, yeah. This is true. We include outside the UFC guys. So, but he could be at 16, 17, 18 if we extended that far and a lot of our rankings. So, um, yeah, I think this is this is just found money for for Sean O'Malley. As long as he doesn't get embarrassed, as long as he doesn't completely housed. But there's no exposing him. There's no like, oh, O'Malley's was exposed if he loses to uh, to Piotr Jan. No, Piotr Jan's really effing good. Um, and, and uh, this is uh, this getting the fight that this stage of his career. I know, I know Shaheen said he's already five years in, but it's still a pretty high level fight for a guy who's only had 10 UFC fights. So I guess 10 UFC fights a lot. That's, that's anyway, plenty. That's, a lot. That's, yeah. that's plenty. I guess it is. I guess it is a lot. But, I, but, I, but I am standing by my point that, um, that he has very little to lose here, um, other than literally uh, having a loss in his record. I don't know that I agree with that, AK. Mm-hmm. Like, you, <laughs> yes. you. It's not like you a short notice fight or anything. Like you know, you, yeah, this yeah. Is, this isn't quite that setup to me. Like there was a little. You mentioned a little, a few sentences in there that felt very important to me of whether he gets embarrassed or he gets housed, because that to mm-hmm. me that could be very damaging. Like if Sean O'Malley has built himself a specific reputation, right? And it's a it's a very um, internet friendly reputation. It's a reputation built upon the idea of like ah, you know, the the Cheeto loss wasn't a real loss. That was a win, and I'm still undefeated in all of this. If he goes out there and gets like absolutely trucked by Piotr Jan, which totally could happen, it is very difficult to sort of carry himself in the same way that he has carried himself within this. Oh no! Oh no! It's not. Oh, not with the oh, way his fans it, are. Not with the no, way his fans he, are. No, no. I'm not. I'm not saying he's not going to be popular. I'm not saying people <laughs> yeah. are going to still not want to see him fight, and he's not going to get big fights because, of course, he yeah. will. He's, he's, he has a following, and, and you know, people are tuning into the Sugar Show regardless. But like, it's hard for you to say you're that guy. If we can all just point to the time you went out there and lost in 40 seconds to, to Piotr Jan, like that changes the, the math a little bit on the conversation in a way that I think would be very damaging. It would take a while for him to, to recover from. I don't know because Jan is so he, good. And I, I think, think he, he would so much. And I think O'Malley's been saying the right things. Like he is not oversold 
like his chances. He's been saying what you would expect. Oh, I'm gonna knock him out. I'm, I'm gonna beat him. But I'm gonna get the title shot. He's been saying like the he's been saying the kind of the rote you know uh, uh, pre-fight hype stuff. Um, but even like he let he let he let Fyodor Jan call him a street whore at the press conference. He was just kind of like that was, was kinda, amazing. He was kind of like yeah, that was a good one. There really was no comeback to that. So he was like yeah, you got me. <laughs> um, he's he's kind of handled this the right way as far as building up the fight, building up his chances, saying I'm going for the knockout, but. He really has not like said anything like extravagant, anything like unbelievable um, that he shouldn't be saying ahead of a fight like this. So yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. He he won't be able to sell a loss to Jan like he did the the weird no contest with Munoz and then the uh, the loss to Cheeto and keep calling himself undefeated. That's fine, but I, I think he'll find a way to spin it. He's actually pretty decent at spinning stuff like this. So. I, I really don't think he's going to get hurt too much. And again, having dealt with some of his fans firsthand on social <laughs> media, man, I'm telling you something, they do not give a crap of what, what's going to happen. I would argue that Sean O'Malley has the most to lose on this card in mm. the sense that he is going from an unranked fighter and he gets this fight, he gets a freaking title shot. Mm-hmm. When, when, when in the modern UFC memory can we, can we recall that? A guy... Al- Alex Pereira? Maybe I, But Alex Pereira had to get through Strickland. At least, yeah, yeah. This, this and had a level version. But Strickland isn't Jan, and in, the, in, in, in no, the comparison yeah. to the weight, the, to the weight, you know, what I'm trying to say. Sorry, um, that's why I think this is so big because this is a this is a lottery ticket for Sean O'Malley. If he loses this fight to Jan, he has to actually earn a title shot after this. To me, if this is this is a lot, it's a lottery ticket. He has he, sure he beats Jan, he gets a title shot, and this won't happen yeah. again in his career. I can't think but of another fighter you can't lose something you didn't have though it's not like he's been guaranteed i mean it's 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 not guaranteed it's it's not like he had a title shot previously and lost it you can't lose something you didn't have you know what i mean i know i know currently right now like the conversation around sean o'malley is future title contender future Mm -hmm. champion right like i don't know that that's the conversation if he just gets demolished by Piotr Jan. i think at that point the conversation is fun fighter very popular guy he's gonna be a fun good matchups but we're not looking at him as this next world beater this next champion in this division unless it's like (laughs) unless it's a a good competitive loss then i think o'malley still this is this isn't a big loss in in a sense Mm -hmm. but if he gets demolished yeah this yeah then he has to truly earn a title shot that's bad that's why that's why i think he actually has an incredible amount to lose i think honestly yeah. more than yon but I, but i would say like if, if charles Oliveira got demolished he'd lose a lot more than sean o'malley has if, if aljamain sterling got demolished by dillashaw i'd say he'd lose a lot more like if anyone gets demolished on the card any of these big fights on 280 i i think the stakes are just as bad if not worse for them than they are for for o'malley really though because like charles already like champion he already has the records he already like is yeah i, I don't know i that i i would disagree with that too but how much would he lose if he got smoked, though? If he just gets like Not 50, much. 45, I think he loses a lot. We'd, more we'd more than O'Malley. We still there? look at him as, no, as we'll, a yeah. great of the era. I think you think of I'm a man of top of, five listen, ever already. We're listen, not saying O'Malley's listen. a top five anything. I'm a, We're not even doing top 15. <laughs> listen, I'm a man of the people. All right? I speak, yes, us in the media, I get it. You guys are so you guys are so smart up in your your your, your, your ivory towers of the, of the MMA media. I'm a man. I'm a fan. I'm a, I speak the language of the people. Okay, and the you're you're I, literally wearing the the T-shirt of an MMA oh, media website. Oh, well, you know, I mean, I you know, I just threw this thing on. I didn't think about it. Uh, and 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 I and, and I think I think the people uh, are putting a lot of weight on on like, like 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 the chart. Like we know how great Charles is. 
I can see the people coming out of the woodwork if he gets dominated and going like, yeah, we knew it. We knew this day was coming. We knew his luck was going to run out. Like, that's the kind of crap you were going to put up with. It's going to happen. You guys, you guys Shaheen. Yeah, but I'm that happens care- to anybody. Be careful. That happens I know. I'm just saying, be careful what you tweet on, on – on, be careful what, what hives you stir on Saturday because – you may have to mute those notifications because you are you are going to get it depending what your take is. I mean, we're all we're all going to get it depending what we say. Stay off the web. I don't know. I don't know what to tell people, but I, I am ready for a lot of these fighters. It sucks. It shouldn't be this way. Like this is a fun MMA is supposed to be fun, and this card is just fun from top to bottom. It's so good. So I, I hope people aren't negative. Um, I hope nobody. I hope no matter who loses, whether it's Sean O'Malley, Dillashaw, Sterling, Makachev, Jan, Oliver, whatever. I hope no matter who loses that the, the that it's not about people being exposed, not about people like it's just like can, can we just can we just can, can we just congratulate the winners? Can we just talk about the winners? You know what I mean? What are we, what are we doing right what, now? What did this I'm turn into? This isn't the Kentucky Derby. I'm positivity. I'm going back to my point. Like this, this is, this is, this is know, freaking, goes, this is freaking cage fighting, man. These men have like trained no. for years to beat the crap out of each other. And that's fine. Like, and that's fine. And then we should respect that. We don't have to. We don't have to go like, oh, Sean O'Malley lost. He's never gonna fight. You know what? It's, he's fighting Piotr Jan. I'm just this sticks to my original point of it. I just don't think O'Malley has that much to lose. I really don't. Because he, as much as we're saying, as much as we're saying, he's guaranteed the title shot. You can't lose something you never really had, and he does not have a title shot in hand until until well, Saturday night's over. We'll see. Ak, you you are you are you've booked a future a future show. You booked a future show. We do the first ever Dana White Power Slap League preview show. You are coming on because we need that positivity. I kid, I'm not positive about that. You set the tone about congratulations and handshakes and hugs and and tea and crumpets and all that good stuff. Friendship, friendship and teamwork, all those good things, but. Yeah, I think it's a little calm A, a little calm B here. I think I'm more on Sean's side where it's – I think he doesn't lose a ton if he – like like the way most people view this fight is that O'Malley's going to win the first round. Piotr's going to be like, oh, crap, I got to do something, and then Piotr wins the next two. If that's the case, like I don't think O'Malley's stock drops all that much. But, yes, if he goes out there and just gets annihilated boy, – oh, boy, it's not good. It's not a good look. Like he's not, it's not, he's not like done. He – He'll still make lots of money. People will still watch him. He'll still get lots of views. He just becomes more. He's like a patty. Know, then, becomes, right? Yeah, he becomes more patty. Yeah, he's closer to patty than he is yeah. TJ Dillashaw. You know what I mean? AK just wants all the fights to be a tie. Love that. <laughs> no, and I'm just Can't saying. Can we all just get along, guys? Can't we all just Listen, if you can be. If you Why can are be, you guys fighting? <laughs> Stop it. No, that's, I'm just saying that's how we should view the results. No matter who wins or who loses, I want our post-fight show to be like, you know what? Everyone did great. Everyone did great. Just change, let's just – hey, let's just call an audible. We don't need to have any fights on Saturday. Let's set <laughs> yeah, up a big obstacle course. Big obstacle course out there in Abu Dhabi. Yeah. We'll sort of do trial runs, heats, yeah. different things. We'll do let's a big do competition. Some, no, it's Ultimate Fighter 1 style reality contest, show maybe. competition. Perhaps. Ultimate play, Fighter play, 1. Play some Uno. I don't know. Yeah, you know. Yeah. We'll get some hummus. It'll be great. Ooh, hummus. <laughs> I love hummus. Oh, no, no stacking. No, actually, no. You should stack plus twos. Plus twos are definitely stackable. That's <laughs> a whole other I, I, I mean, what, what else can we talk about here? I think, we're, I think we were good, right? I mean, yeah. what a way to end it. Yeah, we're good. We're good. All this and we didn't even talk about Bilal Muhammad and Sean Brady. Oh. That fight rules. I actually, I, I will say this. We can react to this if you want. I actually think Bilal Muhammad has a ton to lose. I think he has a lot to lose. Everything. I think Absolutely. Bilal I think Muhammad might have the most yeah. to lose. I, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I think That's he might have the most pressure on him than anybody else on this entire card. Because yeah. if he loses, it is 
that's it. catastrophically terrible. He's not getting a title shot if he loses this fight. But if he wins, I mean, look at the way they're treating this guy. They're treating this dude like a superstar. This is the most over Bilal Muhammad has ever been in his career, and it's not even close. Bilal Muhammad fighting in Chicago is getting a tenth of the reaction that he's getting in Abu Dhabi. He is a star over there. And if he goes out there and beats Sean Brady and gets a star reaction, I don't think he's going to finish Sean Brady if he wins, but let's just say he does. And the reaction he'll get, that is massive for him, and that gives him a lot of steam. But if he loses, man, whew, not good. Not good. He's, he's, he's going to have to win 20 fights in a row to get a title shot if he wins. Yeah. <laughs> Look at yeah. 12 and 3 in the It'll be a race between him and Kate. It'll be a race between him yeah. and Ch- Caitlin Chukagan to see who gets a title <laughs> shot first, yeah. honestly. 12 and 3 in yeah. the UFC, uh, one no contest, in- excluding the no contest, seven straight wins, 11 of his last 12. I mean, this guy has been on a run. But yes, one loss to Sean Brady. God, we just could just kill Which all that. Which is right such now. a tough style oh. matchup, right? Or tough style. Right? Like, like That's the worst possible matchup you could give. He's, right he's now. A now the new welterweight Leon Edwards in the sense that, yeah, you have to yes. win 10 billion times. But yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Does a fight like this? It's awesome. Does, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> moving on. We're, we're moving on. Forget it. The wheels. The wheels are almost off. I think yeah. we have one wheel left. Uh, yeah, I think we're good. All right. So we talked uh, about it. Snakes are very high in that one. We ready for the music? I'm Get ready for the music. Let's hit it. There we go. Now we know we're done. So, uh, listen, we gave you, what, 93 minutes here? I think we gave this card enough love. It deserves more, but listen, we have things to do. We got to get ready. Some, You know, we got to get ready for all this. A lot going on tomorrow. People's Pre-Fight Show, 9.15 a.m. Eastern on this here channel. Jed and Casey, I believe, will be tag team in that. And then, of course, CoverageMAFighting.com throughout the entire card. 1.45 Eastern, it's watch party time. Then we'll have your press conference post-fight interviews with Jose and we'll have a post-fight show and then AK my best friend I'll see you Sunday morning my my buddy some matchmaking so just because UFC 280 comes to an end doesn't mean we're done we'll have a lot more for you but we're done with the show for AK for Casey for Shaheen I am Mike Heck get some rest everybody early day MMA good night oh, I like that that has a good cadence to yeah. it Early day, MMA. MMA. Early, Early day, day. MMA. 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 Early day, <laughs> MMA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. 
Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.